on this episode of Ruin My Life, Emily Smerick ruins our lives with Scream. The franchise. in my life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things you like. I'm Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. And we have a very special guest with us today. Special guest, what is your name? My name is Emily Merrick. Hello. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So good to have you. Our first time, long time, right? Yes. You got to say it. First time, long time. There it is. <laughs> yep. There she is. Long time mm-hmm. fan. So excited to be here. Absolutely. Like stepping inside the world of your favorite TV show. Yeah. And here we are, your favorite characters. It's me. Come to life. Here. In a new location. Yes, yeah. this is like your version of self-insertion fan fiction. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what would I do if I met the Ruin My Life stars? Sure. I bet we'd have adventures. Mm-hmm. And go on trips together. Probably. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Well, here's what we actually did. <laughs> we watched four movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Scream movies. The Scream quadrilogy Scream cycle, whatever you want to call it. Ooh, I like that. I like scream, scream cycle. cycle. <laughs> right? Calling, calling things a cycle, like yeah, it just like one. instantly like like TM? classes up the entire TM. conversation. <laughs> the scream cycle, TM. <laughs> so for those who don't know, Scream is a series of horror movies, all directed by Wes Craven. Wes Craven, as those Wes. in the know call him. Wes. Uh, R.I.P. to Wes Craven. Three of them. There are four movies. Three of them were written by Kevin Williamson creator of The Vampire Diaries, previous <laughs> entry in this very podcast. Indeed. Uh, also creator of Dawson's Creek, writer of I Know What You Did Last Summer, writer of Teaching Miss Tingle, which I don't know if anyone remembers that movie, but that was like his calling card script for a long time. Uh, they were released in, the first one came out in 1996, second one, 97, right back to back. Third one, hold off a few years, 2000. 2000. Uh, maybe the greatest uh, year of film in American history, perhaps. Honestly, I am with you. Mm-hmm, right? <laughs> there was a, there's a lot of good pre, <laughs> pre-9-11. Right? Uh, that, that's what the show is slowly becoming. It's just a, a, documenta- <laughs> a documentation of how, of, of how media changed after 9-11. 9/11. Although when I say this show, I guess I probably mean just my life in general. And then they took a break for a while. And then 11 years later, they came back. And they were back and maybe not better than ever. But they made another one, Scream 4, 2011. Emily mm-hmm. and Kelsey, do we want to like sort of lay down, just lay it out? Sort of lay it out. Lay it out. What the premise okay. of these movies is? Sure. Yes. Okay. Do you want to do that? Sure. So <laughs> Kevin Williamson was a young, struggling writer in Hollywood. <laughs> okay, maybe. Oh, we're going all maybe. the way back. <laughs> all the way back. Smash cut. <laughs> a baby cries. His name, Kevin. Oh. oh God! Too no, far but back. so Kevin Kev Williamson was apparently house sitting for a friend, 
and he was watching a Barbara Walters report on the Gainesville murders, which were a series of gruesome killings that happened in Florida in 1990. And he was a fan of horror movies like Halloween, etc., <laughs> Friday the 13th, slasher movies, basically, is what I'm getting at here. And he was inspired by these, uh, these, you know, these historical killings and his love of horror cinema, some of which was, of course, created and pioneered by Quest Craven, director of Nightmare on Elm Street, People Under the Stairs, and The Hills Have Eyes, which later inspired a song by The Weeknd. <laughs> Trivia. Wrote the script. It got passed around for a long time until Bob Weinstein got a hold of it. Bob. Bob Weinstein. Bob. Nobody else. Nobody else was involved in that. That's actually true. <laughs> Bob Weinstein worked for a company with someone else who was also a major player at that company. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Bob Weinstein was in charge of Dimension Films, which was the sort of like offshoot that did all the schlocky horror movies, a lot of direct-to-video stuff. I mean, Bob's probably not a great dude, but... <laughs> Pro- almost certainly not. Almost certainly not. Uh, uh, but that's not actionable. Yeah. You can't... Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> He uh, and they, they they mostly developed stuff like Hellraiser Three, Hell on Earth, uh, Children of the Corn Three, whatever that was called. No one actually knows. But then they got a hold of Scream, and they made it. You know, jump ahead the whole filmmaking process. Don't worry about any of that. <laughs> uh, well, here's a little bit of trivia. Drew Barrymore was originally attached to the film to play the lead, which is interesting because famously Drew Barrymore appears in the opening scene of Scream and is killed about ten minutes in. It's yeah. a kind of a shocking. Psycho-esque twist. Although Psycho, of course... I haven't seen Psycho. Spoilers for Psycho. <laughs> the lead of Psycho Spoilers is killed about halfway through, which is a bit... Movie. A much, much more disruptive thing to happen. Anyway, Scream comes out. It's hailed as a reinvention, reinterpretation, re-ignition of the slasher movie genre, which had sort of been at its peak in the 80s and then kind of fallen off for about, a, you know, several years. Mm-hmm. And then it came back strong, and they made a second movie, obviously, that was not as quite as well-received as the first one, but it was pretty well-received. Three, not... Pretty mixed on three, honestly. Not this group. Not, not this yeah. group. Not, not this group. group. We're not mixed on you'll three. You'll find we're actually very pro-Scream 3. My <laughs> thesis for this is that Scream 3 is maybe... Is heavily underrated, at the very least. Definitely. And Scream 4, I think, also pretty middling reviews. Not a, not a big impact. Not the impact the first one had, for sure. And it's basically, you know, it's about... You know, essentially, the Scream films are about a group of characters, mostly the same characters, sort of continuing from movie to movie, who are terrorized and murdered by a series of killers, all of whom are varying levels of interconnected with each other, who all wear the same iconic uh, ghost face outfit, which is like a scary white mask uh, and a black cloak. And, a sparkly black cloak, and which, which is established to it. Is this, does it have a shimmer in every movie? I thought just I in four it had I the shimmer. No, it, it had. Very... It definitely had it in uh, in one of the earlier ones because I remember being okay. like, "It's sparkly." There definitely, and that was at my apartment when we watched the first three. Oh, there definitely right. is a shimmer. There's there a, was shimmer a shimmer to shimmer. it. Mm-hmm. Yes, very glamorous. Same, yeah. sparkly black cloak. <laughs> the film star Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott, David Arquette as. Um, Deputy and eventually Sheriff Dewey Cox. Dewey Riley. Dewey Riley. Dewey Riley? Sorry, I was thinking about Courtney <laughs> Cox. I, was, I got so excited about Gail Weathers. Dewey Cox is a John C. Riley character? Yes, John C. Riley. <laughs> Very good. Oh, we should watch that movie. We should watch That's that movie. That's a good movie. movie. It's a really good one. Um, sorry, Dewey Riley. Uh, Courtney Cox plays Gail Weathers, a reporter who is, uh, has a history with Sydney. 
that it precedes the first movie and then obviously grows and, can, and develops over the course of the four movies. Mm-hmm. Those are the three that... Those are the three real leads. There's some other people yeah. who come and go. But those Only three ones are kind that of, are in every single yes. movie. Uh, Jamie Candy's probably the, the... Randy makes it to three. Yeah. Or Randy's in... Well, he's, he's, he's in three of them. He, yeah, he's, he, does, he survives <laughs> one and a half of them. <laughs> he's, he appears in three of them. And then there's yeah, Randy, played by Jamie Candy. Sort of also is like maybe the next most important character, yeah. and there's you know sort of the the various killers and secondary characters, and it's essentially a series of slasher movies. If they're, they're it's inspired by slasher horror cinema, I don't know how I feel about them as actual horror movies personally, but we can get into that. So just as a topic for discussion, the the line on these movies, particularly the first one, is that it was a as I said a sort of reinvention and reinterpretation of the slasher formula, that it took this knowledge of cinematic history and not only, you know, put it in the mouths of the characters who had grown up watching these types of movies, or at least some of them had, but also used those very tropes to play with audience expectations and subvert them, you know, sort of re-examining the tropes that make this genre up. Uh, That's sort of the critical line on them, even to this day. It was definitely at the time. I don't know if I totally agree with that. I'm curious what you all think about that general sense of these movies as as that. I would say that at least in the beginning, they're just a they're a series of movies from someone who really likes these kinds of movies. Someone who wanted specifically to make something that they loved, but I don't know if it quite is as horror as it thinks it is. Well, I don't think it, I think the idea that it subverts the tropes it's exploring is kind of false. Like, I don't think it actually does that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it like, it, it it mentions them and maybe uses them in a way that you're not expecting, but it's not like a total subversion of trope. Um, at least in the first one. And I would say probably in some of the others too. But it's, it's I, and I kind of agree that I don't think these are like, straight up slasher movies because they're like they're not actually that scary granted like i don't find like slasher movies super scary i find like more like thriller movies scarier mm. but you were saying jason that it's like more of like a murder mystery than anything else well, well I'm, I'm gonna try to not get too negative because that's kind of against the entire thesis of the show yeah as i understand it anyway it's kind of unclear to me at this point what this show even is <laughs> but it's a media criticism show <laughs> exactly <laughs> it, but it's also a leftist podcast and you can't take that it's away a leftist from media criticism we'll never show. Forget that we're, part. We're, we're part of it Absolutely. we're part of the conversation <laughs> We'll get a leftist reading on this. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. I mean, I because well, my my real my honest take is that these are at their heart they're murder mysteries because there is like you know you are trying to figure out who the killer is as as are the other characters as well, mm-hmm. and there is mystery around that, but they are murder mysteries where you're not really given uh, like a lot of suspects and the people who are killed aren't super actually relevant to what's happening, so you can't the, use those as clues. Yeah, the, and the clues you are given are not helpful. Yeah, the, there's <laughs> a... Because if it was a true murder mystery, you would, like, the idea is that you would be given enough clues that you could theoretically you guess it for yourself. find out, and then be like, oh, that's why X happened. Yes. That Whereas does in, not happen. And, you know, in these movies, like, they, they very, really... Very they have... The motivation is central, contrary to what one character says in the climax <laughs> of the first movie. Yeah. Motive is very important in these movies, but they don't... They purposely withhold information that would allow you to figure these things out until yeah. the end, which is a murder mystery thing. But it gets really bad in the second one where they cram the entire movie's plot into the last five minutes. Yeah. And so it's a pretty 
complex plot, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the way they like explain the kills that have happened to that point, it, it doesn't really hold together. Because in the second movie, there's this whole thing about, like, oh, he's... They're killing people with the same names as the original victims. Oh, yeah. but they then tried they're, real hard. But then they're killing people as revenge for the death of the killer in the first movie. But they're also killing people just because they make them angry. Because Timothy Oliphant's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and then they, they, they specifically <laughs> say they killed Randy because he was mean about um, about Billy. Or Stu? Billy. Yeah. I, I, I think it, like, the other thing is, like, it doesn't... It does this thing early in a lot of the films where it it presents you with the the person who did it that you find out at the end and then makes you be like, oh, no, it's not them. But then they did it. (laughs) And and I think it does that a lot. Maybe not in the fourth one. And I feel like the second one didn't really do that either. Because one of the killers, you don't really, they're not on your radar. Yeah, well, like, the, the one of the, the, like, Billy's mom is, like, yeah, comes out of nowhere. Totally out of <laughs> she's, she's present throughout the film. She's serving a different function. And then you yeah. Yeah. find out her motivation. She has an actual motivation. Tim yeah. Oliphant in the second movie, like, oh, openly stated, has no insane. motivation. Yeah. He's just insane. Yeah. Which is, as far as murder missions go, kind of a cheat. <laughs> But why? Why'd you do it? Ah, I'm just nuts, and I love killing. Yeah, and I'm gonna blame the media. Yeah, and I think (laughs) you know, so it doesn't really like subvert the tropes in the way it wants to. But I had a lot of fun watching these movies. Like, I thought it was a really good time, and um, they're they're not like I think the first one is really solid. Like, as a as a film, like it's a really solid movie. Uh, it's not something I'm going to go back and watch like over and over again. I, having done just that, I can say it, is, it has diminishing returns. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's a solid movie. Yeah. And yeah. I think... Um, it the, has plenty of charm. The, yeah. The second one, like there's still some of that charm there. I think that I was actually very surprised at how well the third one worked because I think a lot of that charm comes from uh, Jamie Kennedy's character. Um, and then he's dead <laughs> halfway through because i think like actually as soon as he dies in the second one like it loses like something yeah and you're like i don't know if i enjoy this anymore <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i think that they didn't really find a good conduit like a new conduit for that role mm-hmm. um which is why the third one is actually kind of impressive and how well <laughs> it works because <laughs> they kill off jamie candy's character randy who was the one who presents the iconic list of Slasher movie rules, like, you know, you can't have sex, you can't do drugs, and you can't say, I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Which are things that are, again, laid out and then sort of subverted in the, in the first film, not to any real effect. You don't really, I don't know, it doesn't really translate that well. But once he die, he's also the comic relief. Yeah. Like, the movies are have, like, because this is, again, the guy who made Dawson's Creek. There are snappy little one-liners mm-hmm. throughout, but Randy is the main source of comedy. And then he dies, and then in the third movie, they, they both, well... The, the uncharitable read would be that they, they lost their main comic relief, so they just went super broad and comic with everyone else in the movie to compensate for that. Loaded it up with Which is comedy. true, but also... <laughs> On Randy, purpose, though? Randy was, Randy was also the conduit for all the sort of the metafictional elements of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then in the third one, instead of um, consigning that to one character, they make the whole thing much more like fully metafictional because the yeah. third one... An ongoing plot point as as of the second movie throughout the whole series is that there are a series of films based on the events of the first movie, and then sort of they kind of 
break off from reality at some point, but are inspired by these real characters we're watching. And then we see, uh, in two, the movie's existence is kind of, it's kind of, it doesn't really actually matter to the plot. I mean, it's kind of like the kickoff for the new murders. Yes. The release of the film. But it ends up being mostly irrelevant. Yeah. The killings in, almost every killing in two would have happened without the stab movies existing. Yeah. But in three, three is like set like during the production of the third stab movie. Mm-hmm. So all the characters are in Hollywood. They're away from their hometown of Woodsboro where the rest of the films take place. And they're like recreating the order in which yeah. the they original their, murders happened. Yes. And they have their counterparts that are the actors yeah. playing them. Yes. And Parker Posey's amazing. Ugh, yeah, Parker, Parker Posey, Posey plays is oh playing yeah, they also, Courtney they, Cox playing. They the also have like they had her to pick up the uh the comic relief of, mm-hmm. of yeah. the movie <laughs> um, in a, in a different, different way than Jamie Kennedy, but like it works yeah. really well. <laughs> and what I like about the third movie as the, the thing, the thing that I think really draws me to it aside from the fact that it does, uh, it doesn't take itself too seriously. None of these, these movies really do except for the fourth one, which takes itself way, way too seriously <laughs> and <laughs> thinks it's saying so much more than it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I think is probably a problem with the first two as well, but because it's so far in the past, Ooh. well, you know, 20, oh, God, like 25 <laughs> years. Yeah, it's, it's Lord, a while. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel that way, but t- the 2011 Scream 4 is very much, like, wants to say something about, ooh, modern media and... The internet. The internet. And the Black Mirror. Black Mirror. It's because you be on that phone. It is because you be on and that phone. And we're all recording our lives all the time. Uh, and how in, in reality TV too, it's all about how the, yeah. the villain in four is like a young girl who wants to become famous by being by staging these murders, which is the same basic motivation as Timothy Oliphant. Well, well, Timothy Oliphant and kind of Randy and Stu, Ooh. or not Randy and Stu, Billy and Ooh. Stu. Billy sorry, because because yeah. Stu was mad at Sydney's mom for. No, Billy was mad at Sydney's mom. Billy was mad at Sydney's mom for fucking Billy. You could just dad. use the actor names if you right. want. Right. Matthew Lillard's character <laughs> seemed to just want to be famous for yeah. killing people. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the third movie, the, the the motivation of the killer and like the entire setting of the movie is all tied together and ties back into Sydney's history. Mm-hmm. And kind of in order to, to complete this like trilogy, it's also very self consciously a third movie in a trilogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a way that actually for me, works more to its effect than when it's self-consciously a horror movie in the first two films. Yeah, like it, yeah. it's much more a tr- like a an idea of subverting or or uh, using the trilogy tropes in a metafiction way <laughs> than it is like using the horror tropes in a metafiction way. Yeah, which I think actually works a lot better because it calls attention to the fact in the third movie that you are revisiting the origin of this entire series of events in a way that's eventually going to prove cathartic and like sort of, you know, put a you know, bring things full circle for Sydney Prescott because she's also she, learning more things. Yes. That mattered the whole time. Because you you eventually you basically find out that in the third movie the entire chain of events of what happened in the first two movies and then also into the third movie has to do with Sydney's mom's time in Hollywood mm-hmm. and in order to like finally like free yourself from what's going on in these movies sydney has to confront the terrible things that were done to her mother and sort of the the effects of that and she has to go basically to the heart of the entire this, this whole dark affair and the heart of that ends up being in hollywood in a very real like you know we know like not that it's connected to this movie in any way again <laughs> bob weinstein <laughs> made these movies uh, we know that Hollywood does treat women this way. So this is like a real thing. Whereas 
the commentary the movies wanted to make in one and two about what if you got famous because your mom was killed by a serial killer and then they made movies out of it, but the movies were like the biggest horror movies of all time, but they're based on real murders. That's not a thing. That doesn't, there's no real <laughs> world analog real for that. life, yeah. And I can't really get any well, juice out of that. And I think like the... Um, I need that juice. <laughs> I think also like the fourth one with taking itself too seriously and stuff, it doesn't... In the way that the third one leans into like being the tr- the third movie, the trilogy, it doesn't lean into being the reboot as hard as it should. Because mm. um, if it leaned into that and did sort of the same thing that the third one did, I think it could have been more effective. Mm-hmm. And they try a little bit, but it's not really... It doesn't really work to the same effect. Mm-hmm. And because, because I think, honestly, because they're keeping the same characters. Like, I think if they had just done a hard reboot and... And, like, maybe had, like, still had uh, Emma Roberts' character be related to Sydney, but just not had Dewey and, right. and Gail and not had Sydney in the movie, I think it could have been a better movie. Yeah, that, they split the difference too much in the fourth one. Mm-hmm. They try to, because they, cause they, they have get, it both ways. Yes, and they, are, again, are constantly calling out, they're trying to call their shots, because they have a whole, it's a whole little mini scene where they're recreating the, the opening of the first movie, self-consciously, not out of laziness, although... Maybe a little bit bad too, <laughs> and they have a, and someone just lists off a bunch of modern day horror movie remakes, and sort of it, it's sort of meant to allude to the fact that this itself sort of a remake, both textually in what the killers are doing and in what the filmmakers are doing. But it's also really not. It's not though, because it's Cause not it's a, the same. It's a like, sequel. Time. You're con- of it. Yeah, you're continuing the stories of these original characters, but you're also bringing in new teens that you want us to care about. There were too many of them. As soon as you so meet, many teens. As soon as you meet these teens, you're like, I'm not going to get invested in this. I cannot care <laughs> about these people at all. Emily. Yes? Since you brought this to us, mm. what, what is it about these movies that you, do you like so much? What is it about them resonates with you? What about them makes you... Because you've watched them all multiple times. Multiple times. Yes. Um, I, these were the first... This was the first horror series that I got very into. I was... I remember when they came out initially, but I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't do horror when I was in second grade because right. like, <laughs> that's insane. But I remember them coming out and being like very afraid of the concept of them. And which, then, which was a scary man in a mask. Yes. I like home invasion. <laughs> yeah. <not laughs> which great. is scary. <laughs> and I probably saw some like commercials on TV with it. Not great. Um, but I did. I did always like mysteries, like for a very long time. So I think this was kind of a good way, a good introduction into horror that wasn't super, it wasn't super scary. It was scary enough to have that little thrill, but it also had the mystery that I had always really liked. So it was a little bit of a gateway horror series for me. Which which makes sense because it is a, it is a horror film that's not too scary. Yeah, it's it's kind of horror light. And it also like baby's it, first horror lays out, series. It also just lays out what you're gonna get in a horror movie. Yeah, says, <laughs> it tells you everything that's gonna happen. It gives you a guide for like navigating the tropes of horror movies, which can yeah. be a, like a good way to sort of like orient yourself in a new a new genre that you want to explore. Mm-hmm. Or, genre. Excuse me. I almost forgot my bit where I say that that way every time we're on the podcast. <laughs> genre. Genre. 
Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like Weird Al. Like some people get into pop music through Weird Al. <laughs> some people like me. Okay, okay. I don't think I'm the only one though, right? Because it's like not. It's, it's sort of the same so. beats, yeah. uh, literally the same beats in this case mm-hmm. of pop music. But you know, it's about funny stuff like junk food and, and TV, <laughs> and you know, it sort of gives you a way in mm-hmm. when you're like a child, literally, and don't understand what it's about. Yeah. And my my sort of the thing I don't the thing that sort of makes me hesitant to really call these horror movies even though I would have to if I'm being honest is not that I think that it's not because it doesn't scare me I don't think that I guess I think it's useful to have a debate about what constitutes a horror movie in terms of genre because it's inter- genre <laughs> wow. losing my edge <laughs> LCD sound system over here don't worry about it sure not worried I think that's a useful thing to have and a productive way to frame discussions about horror sometimes but uh, what what gets me about this is that there's not a lot of, I think, effort made to frighten. No. There's very little, and I know they're trying to, <laughs> they're not trying to do the things that most slasher movies have done, but there's very little attention paid to the way the kills are staged and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's all lit and staged in a very flat way. There's a lot of um, physicality in the encounters people have with the killer, which I think is meant to drive home that these are real people doing real murders, which is in... The abstract very scary, but for me, seeing the heroes wrestle with the killers over and over again and like have physical fights with them, which fully like the climax of the third movie is a out and out fight between Sydney and, and, yeah, and like the killer. How on earth is she alive by the fourth movie? She's she has wrestled with multiple killers. Yeah. Over the franchise. Multiple times. It makes too. no sense. Yeah, like she should be dead. <laughs> <laughs> she should be. She should be dead after um, like the second one. Um. Like at least in the third one, right? Like that's a that's a <laughs> satisfying conclusion, right? The physicality of the of the killers was is is definitely meant to like draw attention to the fact that these are like real people and like that they're kind of like because none of these killers are geniuses, right? Like they're dumb, <laughs> <laughs> like B- Billy and Stu especially. Oh, like yes. they're they're absolutely dumb, ones. and and I think that that sort of like draws attention to like the the sort of like holes in their murder plots. I also agree that it takes away some of the like fear or like the atmosphere. That atmosphere. <laughs> I was gonna say counterpoint, it could also be like, oh, this could be anyone. Like anyone could be doing this. Which is scary. You're never safe. Never safe. Never safe. Anyone could come in and kill you, which is a scary idea, but the yeah. movies aren't really about that though. Right. They're more about hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda hard to say, honestly. I think I think there's a discussion to be had too about you said earlier about how this was sort of like seen as a like reignition of the slasher genre and I think there's definitely something to look at positively like because I think it probably was like I think it drew attention to these these tropes and these things made filmmakers take them more seriously even if we don't look at a film now as like like I don't watch the first screen movie and be like yeah this is amazing it's revolutionary and stuff but like we have to consider it in its time and in its cultural context. And like, maybe it was then, and maybe it, it's really important as far as like this genre or genre. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're definitely right. That's a good point. I can imagine seeing, if you saw this movie for the first time in 96, it probably did seem very fresh and exciting. There were no, you know, slow ponderous moments of someone like a cloaked figure, like slowly, approaching someone in a darkened room and then, you know, just cutting their heads off very suddenly. It was, you know, it's all happening in these, like, normal 
brightly lit suburban spaces. And you are like, you know, and, and there's more of an interest in the people that are being killed. Not that much more interest, but there's more of an idea of them as actual people and characters and not just, you know, um, quickly written cannon fodder. <laughs> My other point was that this came out in December. And that was a rare thing. Ooh. This is like, this is like positioned as a, like basically like, a, you know, the idea we have now of like the big Oscar movies coming out in December. That was in effect to a degree back then as well. So it was also positioned in a much different way. And so it was like... Because this was, movie would come out in, like, October now. Yeah. Well, yeah. like, you know, sub, you know, summer. Who cares? It's, yeah. it's a slasher yeah. movie. No, yeah. one, no one gives a shit. Yeah. But this is like, this is like you know, it's, it's the schlocky wing of it, but it is like a prestigious, you know, big-name production company that's, like, putting out this movie, and they're putting it out during awards season, basically. Yeah. And that really, I think, drew a different sort of attention to it. Not quite the same, but kind of similar to how Get Out was released in... You know, the middle of February, which is like the dead, dead, dead mm. season mm-hmm. for any good movies to come out. And then, you know, made a bunch of money. And now we're sort of seeing the ripple effects of that play out forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be fun. <laughs> uh, Emily. Yes? What do you think about Scream 4? Uh, Scream 4 <laughs> takes itself extremely seriously. It is... I definitely agree that they should not have made it in the same universe even as the other three movies the same characters it's not very fun occasionally it's fun i like the the one dude with the video he's kind of fun the the little culkin and the other one yeah the guy (laughs) with the google glass yeah yeah but it's i don't know it's just like it's 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 like it's almost like you can see like even Gale and Dewey don't have like their same like the same spark. Yeah, yeah. they're like Which, they're tired. They're old. Or they're on the verge of divorce. Yeah, um, <laughs> so it's going to reignite the flame. I guess murder. Sure. Um, and the state of horror was also very different in 2011 than it was in what even was 2000. Out in 2011. Uh, I don't remember. Not a lot. And honestly, the wave of like. Remakes was yeah. kind of a two thousands thing. Okay. Yeah. So that would have actually been more like you know, relevant like in two thousand eight or two thousand nine. Right. So they were a few and years like, out of step. I feel like. And like Conjuring is like twenty fifteen, right? Conjuring, I think, is twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Yes. Okay. So it's sort of between <laughs> the, the 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 remake boom and then the and then like the Conjuring uh, right. universe <laughs> thing. <laughs> the thing that I feel most weird about for Stream Four is that I really feel like Kevin Williamson or maybe Wes Craven as well. But one of them saw the show Community <laughs> and was like, you know what? That's a good idea. Because they used the word meta at this point, which like they, meta, yes. I remember very clearly, was not a word people used very often not yeah. until community. it got brought into com- the lexicon through Community. Well, I mean, you you can, like, if you're watching that, the those two characters, like, you brought this up when we were watching yeah, the, it. The, like, the, the two guys that basically the take the place of Randy. Rory Culkin and the, the other guy <laughs> <laughs> um, are very, like, written Troy and Abedi, yeah. like... They're very Troy and Abed-ish. Yeah. It's like it's like it doesn't come out all the time, but then it when it when it lines up right, you're like oh. oh like in in the cinema club when they're like doing their whole spiel. Yeah. You just you just put Danny Pudi and and yes. <laughs> and Donald Glover in yeah. there and you're good. Also, Honestly, I, would watch that movie. Also, Alison Brie's in the movie, movie. too. Al- Alison Brie's in the movie. In the movie. <laughs> Who she was she was she was already a madman at this point. Yes, yeah. but she mm-hmm. was you know she she's not really much of a figure in Mad Men. Honestly, she doesn't have a very big part. But this is like it feels like he just like yeah let me get her in just to do her Annie Wilkes thing Annie Wilkes that's that's, 
That's misery. Misery. Um, I mean, we're in a horror place. What is... God, Annie from... Should Gideon, I make you guys watch Castle name. Rock? That could be fun. Annie. No, I've already watched <laughs> Castle Rock and it fucking sucks. <laughs> what is Annie's last name? Edison. Hey. weird. That's it. Is you it? Got it? Yeah, Annie that's Edison. It. You're right. Yeah, you nailed weird, it. That's weird. It is, it is weird. Hayden Panettiere, Kristen Bell, also in Scream 4. Yes. Funny there's a bunch of there's a bunch of like CW regulars yeah. who show up, um, which makes sense for the man who created which, yeah. Dawson's Creek. Um, and then there's like Vampire also Diaries. Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson. Oh, Adam Brody, yeah, <laughs> in like the two Cute most like nothing roles. Doing their thing. So two, two things about Scream Four. <laughs> One, we for the first Star-studded. time we, they they we see more of the footage of Stab, and for the first time we see that it was directed by Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> Both the in the universe, one. yes, the first Stab movie, <laughs> both in-universe and actually the footage itself from the real movies was shot by Robert Rodriguez. And for the first time I thought, because I was watching Scream 4 and I'm, you know, I'm not having a good time. <laughs> Wait, but like, I, so the, the Scream, wait, the Scream, the Stab the, movie. The movie within the, a movie. Yes, Is stab. directed by Robert Rodriguez? And, sh- and the footage itself was also really was shot, shot by, by him. by him. Okay. Interesting. And for the first time I, I thought, I wow. I'd, and they watch a marathon of the Stab movies in Scream 4, mm-hmm. or they try to. Because there's like seven or There's eight seven of this one. And for the, first, for the first time, I thought, you know, I think I'd rather watch Stab. <laughs> I think I would like Stab more what than I like there Scream. Were seven Scream movies. Can you imagine? It's funny because there is supposed to be a joke about, you know, oh, there's seven of these movies. Isn't that funny how yeah. they're trying to, you one know, milk this thing dry? Time but there's travel. four Scream movies, there's you know? <laughs> you're not that much better than the thing you're, I don't know Maybe what you're trying to do here. Maybe not as interesting as the Stab franchise. Second. One of them has time travel in it. <laughs> I want to watch That's that true. movie. True. Stab, Stab 5 has time travel, right? <laughs> God, the fake outs at the end of Scream 4 are also so tiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but anyway, so we, we the Scream 4 also is probably more what Scream 3 would have been if Kevin Williams had actually written it. Because mm-hmm. he had he had outlines for Scream 2 and 3 when he first wrote Scream 1. And I think there was, and according to, and according to Matthew Lillard, uh, Scream 3 was going to feature his return, where he was like orchestrating mm-hmm. an entire, this entire series of events from jail. And there was a whole. I'm kind of into that. Though. There was a whole. Yeah. It, was basically, it was basically a stab so that murders. Survives. Yeah. Because we're meant to believe that he died at the end of the first. Scream, but it's, it's not really clear. Five Stu's revenge. That's true. That's true. We well, didn't again, actually no, he, see. No, he gets crushed by the TV. He looks pretty dead. He does. He looks pretty dead at the end of Scream One. I guess they could probably play that off if they really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. they're totally good. You, you could, could do, do anything. That. Come on. Yeah. But I think part of it. One more Matthew Lillard. They've never. Don't we all? God bless him, Matthew Lillard. Keep it up, buddy. Whatever you're doing. Whatever you're doing. Keep we it love up. you. And get more, get more going. Yeah. The SLC <laughs> punk himself. Shaggy. <laughs> Not the one from the song about um, cheating on your girlfriend. It wasn't me? Yes. Oh, you would like, you'd love us to believe that, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would love that. Anyway. It's never been, this never oh, been stated outright, but it, it, it's, it's, it's heavily suggested by most people who talk about Scream 3 and 4 that Scream 3, that script was nixed because of the Columbine shootings that happened in 99. Um, and so they had to sort of hastily abandon the idea of, you know, teens killing other teens all of a sudden wasn't a thing we really wanted in movies quite so much. But that led to, you know, a whole new writer, actually the guy who wrote the American version of The Ring. I didn't know that right? either. Interesting, right? Very, very curious. I didn't do very much research. I'm learning so much. <laughs> it's funny that he wrote he wrote Ring, and then there's a, there's a hacky joke in Scream Four about, oh, this isn't this isn't some you know this isn't this isn't like a remake or it's not like a bunch of creepy Asian girls. This is real horror. <laughs> Fuck off. 
Actually, that was the state of American horror in, in like 2011, 2010. It was mm. basically like Japanese there was no horror. strong identity because yeah. we had all these remakes. Then before that, there was the J-horror craze, which mm-hmm. happened. If you if you the compare ring, like A Tale of Two Sisters more. and then The Ring to the other, and Ringo, I guess, more fairly, mm-hmm. to other American horror movies that were coming out in 2002, you see why we went with Japanese horror <laughs> for a few years. Yeah. Like things were in, like Jeepers Creepers 2, oh, Freddy vs. Jason, too. Wrong Turn. Uh, yeah. A lot of really not very good stuff. Really not good stuff. Um, so I guess that's really just more my mini history about Scream 4 and why it exists. Because Scream 3 would have been also been about a return to Woodsboro. Which I think was part of the reason why I like Scream 3 is that it's not set in Woodsboro. Uh, where Scream 4 goes back and mm-hmm. is kind of, I think, worse off for it. Yeah. Can we talk for a second about the actual reboot? Of the Scream franchise. Mm, are we talking about Scream the series? Scream the series, which we've all watched, I think, some of. I've seen <laughs> all of it, baby. You've seen all of it. Hell yeah, yeah. Interesting. Because I just I want to know if they did the things in that that they should have done in Scream 4. <laughs> because we watched it, but it was before I'd seen... I'd only seen one Scream movie yeah. at that point, mm. I think. And I think I probably would appreciate it more now. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Because I didn't think it was bad, but then they really, they killed a character that I really liked, and I yeah. was like, eh. <laughs> but uh, so I guess I kind of wanted to know, like, do you think they did a better job there? I know I'll- Kevin Williamson is only loosely involved in the show. Yeah. I know he he think he maybe maybe wrote the first episode or just like wrote the story for the first episode, mm-hmm. but he's not really heavily involved in right. the Scream show, as far as I understand. I feel like it's definitely like in the spirit of Scream. It is also a little more serious. Hmm. Um, it doesn't. I don't think it has the comedy that the movies have. Some more than others, obviously. Um, and then the the third season of the Scream series actually is a totally different storyline and different cast, which is darker. Interesting. Um, Scream Resurrection. Sure. <laughs> is that the name of season three? No. Oh. Also known as. Oh, is it? Oh, never mind. Apparently, it's one of the also known as <laughs> names. Uh, Scream, the well, TV series, the Scream first, Resurrection. Yeah, the first two seasons were one cast, and then the, the third season, I think that was three, right? Yeah. Is a totally different like group. So it was a while since I saw the first two, but I, I enjoyed them. And I felt like they were definitely like yeah in in the spirit a little Scream bit. Scream the show is it good? It was fine. Do you like? Oh. I enjoyed it. Oh. Seasons one and two were on MTV, and season three was on VH1. Ooh. I didn't know that. Yikes! Because I watched interesting. the third on <laughs> very interesting Netflix, but I did watch seasons one and two on the MTV app in between the most episodes app of in the world. Are You the One? <laughs> so. Yeah. MTV app is the one app it's that plays more app. commercials than you would have seen if you Ooh. watched it on actual cable. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's, it's unusable. Mm-hmm. It's so unusable. It's not a good app. I, I bought a series of Are You the One on Amazon because oh. I like got so upset at the MTV app. Yeah. <laughs> it's that bad. Which I guess, hey, it's working. Yeah. <laughs> it's your plan all along. <laughs> so Genius. Scream, the TV show, mm-hmm. Emily. How does it compare to Slasher? Yeah. <sighs> The awful, upsetting, dismal, uh, I think, Canadian so co-production. It's Canadian, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Because the girl in the first season was on Merlin, I think. Oh. The first season was interesting. When was the last time you heard someone talk about Merlin? <laughs> right. This podcast is breaking barriers, baby. 
talking about Merlin in yeah, 2020. You're welcome. I, I watched all of Merlin. <coughs> yeah, and now we're talking Merlin. about it. This is this is a, this is a stealth Merlin episode. I, think I watched the first three seasons of Merlin, but I did not watch all of it. I watched the first three seasons, then I stopped watching, and then went back and watched the last Ooh. two. Should I go mm. back when it was all out? Should I go back? Eh. Eh. So <laughs> slasher, I've only seen the slasher. second season because um, I heard I heard the first season was was okay, but the second season was miserable and should not be watched. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was watching the first season, but ended uh, up watching the second season. Yeah. And boy, I regret it. There's not there's yeah. few TV shows it's I regret watching. The first one was okay. <laughs> the first one was kind of good. Because it, it added like an interesting plot line. Because the idea of the, of the slasher series is to really do like a slasher like horror story, anthology. but yeah, with but an with, an, with a murder mystery component. Yeah. Like a much stronger like an, murder mystery component. I think component. the first season it was like her Parents had been murdered, and she's like mm. coming back to her hometown, which is kind of the, which kind of has some echoes of Scream One, where Sydney's mom was murdered. Uh, yeah, a, year a little ago. bit. But but that but the the way that so when the, the, considering the way slasher tries to balance the what it needs to be done to make a slasher movie mm-hmm. with the demands of a narrative TV show, sort of comes out with kind of like the worst of both worlds, mm-hmm. where it's unpleasant and and kind of frightening and, and sort of sickening, and yeah. it goes on for a very long time. Yeah. How does that compare to Scream the TV show? I feel like Scream the TV show had to be a little more tame because it is, you know, teenagers. And it's on MTV. And it's on MTV. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not as awful as Slasher. Slasher is just, like, disgusting for no reason yeah, most of the time. Yeah, really. And I, and I don't feel that way about a lot of things, but Slasher really upset me yeah. in some moments. It's hard to plot out a Slasher, like, genre movie like, I think that would be a hard genre to tackle in a TV show. Like, over that amount of time. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. like, almost, it's like too much time. Yeah. Because you have to, for a TV show, you have to get invested in the characters in order to watch it every week. But mm-hmm. if you're watching it and you know everyone's, someone's going to die every week, it's a little bit yeah. of a bummer. Yeah. yeah, and, like, you can't fill the time with exposition because that gets boring yes. in, in that genre. So you have to have someone dying, like... All the yeah. time. You have to develop characters who you know are going to get murdered. Yeah. And it's, to get attached. Yeah, it's a little sad. It just like, doesn't really work. Yeah. With that in mind, so there has been another attempt post-2011 Scream 4 to reboot mm-hmm. the Scream franchise. Yeah. What I think we might want to get into now Ooh. is maybe a, another attempt to reboot it. Okay. And a little thing that we call... Pitch time! <laughs> play the theme song. We don't play the theme song anymore. We, we don't. We don't. I haven't played we, the theme song in like a year. I didn't know we actually had the theme song in here. Ever. We do, yeah. We have it. Pitch time, it's pitch time. Hey, Netflix, don't you want this show? God, I really just don't know. It's pitch time. So, Scream, it's been a movie, it's been a TV show. I'm guessing it's probably been books as well. Can't confirm, but I imagine it has been. What's left, huh? What medium has not been taken over by Scream? The theater! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Great White Way! Scream, the musical. Yes, this is an idea I had a a number of years ago (laughs) that I never brought to fruition. Um, The main vision is Randy in the video store singing about the rules of a horror movie. I did not get very far. I'm not... I don't have the attention span, and I never finish a project. 
But I think there's a, there's a lot of meat here. I think you know? there's something there's there. There's something here. There's something here, and, and I think I think Scream could actually be a pretty good musical. I actually, I have a friend who is a lives in New York, um, is a writer of musicals, um, and we talked about this one time. He actually had written a like Casey intro dying song. And that he like performed at a thing, and so I always wanted to ask him to collaborate, but I was always very afraid to do so. so it's your call out now. He's not listening to this podcast, but hey, Aaron Kruger, <laughs> remember our good times at Murray State? <laughs> call me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Is this not a good time to? No. If you want to reconnect with your with your old flames via the podcast, that's fine. I mean. That was a professional collaboration call. Yeah. God. Yeah. Okay. What do you think this is? I don't know. I'm not sure. Again, I'm, I'm again. I'm, I'm historically unclear on what this podcast is, <laughs> as I think our listeners probably are right now as well. So. Uh, what we, but I think what we can all agree on is this is a podcast where we come on here and we spit gold. <laughs> we do, we're just right. spinning straw into gold, just throwing it out there for free. Netflix has not called me once. Mm, in, we're missing in out. Four years of doing this shit. <laughs> Not one call, Netflix. Not one call. So I think the way my vision is, to mm-hmm. go with your vision, yes. I think we can take elements from all the movies. Okay. All the iterations of the... Ooh. We like to be very iterative in this podcast, don't we, Emily? Yes. So we like very be, iterative. We love to be iterative. Yes. Which good word. Iterative. We, like to, we like to iterate. Yes. And so we can take every version of the movie, and, and or the story itself, and just pick elements from that to combine. We okay. don't need to adapt one of these stories straight up through. Mm-hmm. Like, there should be a story. Right. But, but it doesn't it's have to be an adaptation of the story. Right. It's yes. not the plot of one of the movies. Yes. Right. Scream, the musical, is not the plot of Scream 1. The same way right. Scream, the series, is not the plot of Scream 1. Okay. It's elements. Sure. And I think the framing device is Randy in the video store. Mm. I think maybe we could do now, okay, so... The idea of bringing a, a chorus, a Greek chorus type element into a modern musical has been tried once in the past decade. Are we talking about Legally Blonde, the musical? No, that was the previous decade. Yeah. Oh, God, you're right. The, yeah. the most recent decade <laughs> featured, or maybe it's only done Wait, prominent. the one we're in or the last one? Legally Blonde was like 2007, right? Yeah. I thought it was like 2010. I am prepared but we're to talking, We're talking oh. 2010 to oh, 2020. Emily. Oh, you're Emily. right. You're correct. Oh, Emily, you're a funny girl. <laughs> I didn't mean to break your heart. Uh, well. Shout out Jukebox the Ghost. <laughs> um, what I was saying was, <laughs> Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark ah. had, the, had the geek chorus. Oh, God. Which I, I don't want to veer too much into that territory, because that musical famously had some issues. <laughs> Mostly technical. We talk about Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark more than we should. <laughs> Famous, fam- man, if Bring it back. Se- if you'd seen it, you would never stop talking about it. It was a once-in-a-lifetime disaster. <laughs> I did it. I wish you could. I wish everyone <laughs> could go back in time and see the version of that show that I saw. It was phenomenally that's, that's bad. That's in the Scream musical. They go back in time and see Spider-Man <laughs> from the dark and someone dies. Time what? travel. Wait, what? Wait, the Scream musical is a series of murders at Spider-Man Turn of the Dark. <laughs> that might be a different show. Well, hold on. Actually, I don't hate it. <laughs> because the idea of Scream is that it, the, the theory anyway, the, the sort of thing they're, they're trying to do is they're trying to play on the form they're currently in. Right. So we would want to play on the fact that this is a musical. Yeah. So maybe he's not in the video store. Maybe it's set um, in a theater. Okay. Or it's set set during the production of a musical based on Scream. I think he can 
can still be in, like, I think the video store number can still be in there, but, like, the, the call-outs are more, like, theater-based than movie-based. Right. Like, or, like, the, the subversions of trope or non-subversions of trope are more, like... A lot of references to carry the musical. Yes. <laughs> um, the problem is there's Heather's... not a strong, robust history of horror musicals or yeah. even really horror theater in, like, yeah. the modern age, at least. No. So you can't much. really do much of that. But you have to, because it's Scream, and people are going to go to Scream and think, this is going to be fun and meta and self-referential. So I think you, you can't... can do both. I think you can make... Okay, well, here's my pitch for Scream the Musical. Okay. It's okay. American Psycho the Musical okay. meets It's Only a Play. Okay. I don't hate that. <laughs> Broadway, I give would me a call. I think I would enjoy <coughs> that <coughs> immensely. I liked both of those things. Nederlander Organization, pick up the phone. We're here, we're pick waiting. Pick up the phone. Or Schubert's, I don't care. They're not production companies, but I don't We're not picky. Um... The, 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 sad, the can... sad thing is Broadway is probably, probably the, the industry we have the most connections to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, the state of Broadway right now, if we could write this, like... We could I'd... definitely get it and on. And it's like oh, passable. Sure. I feel like we Absolutely. could get, we could stage it. For sure. Yeah. Like Devil we... Wears Prada musical coming. Like... You can't tell me we haven't reached the bottom of the barrel yet. <laughs> There's room for Scream. Tootsie. Come on. see. I know no Pretty one. Pretty woman. We're getting we're getting Mrs. Doubtfire right after we had Tootsie. Oh God, there's a Mrs. Doubts, uh, Doubtfire musical. They were like, it's coming, it's coming. They were like, damn, Tootsie was too good. We gotta keep this train rolling. Because <laughs> I think you do have Randy as like the framing device, as the narrator, as the, yes, as mm-hmm. the I'm gonna take you on a wild yeah. ride. <laughs> I think. Is he also a character in the plot of the musical, or is he just this like? I think he should be a Taking character the same way Randy in the first film is a, in the second film as a character within the story as well. Mm. And I think maybe it's not that he, you know, we don't abandon the idea of this being a horror story, mm-hmm. but the Randy or the Randy type character might not be actually named Randy. This character is commenting on the structure of a musical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like they comment on you know what's going to happen before the act break. Mm-hmm. They comment on okay now is when you do the big eleven o'clock number. Yeah. Now we're going to find out what you want. Now you two are going to meet and you're going to sing at each other. <laughs> we're going to get a, what's a, a declaration of uh, intent yeah. or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, I feel, mm-hmm. I feel, I feel, yeah. 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 So, the, the, so he's, he's going to comment on those things. We're commenting sure. on the structure of a musical and the like tropes of, of horror yeah, movies. Yeah, the, the content is still horror based, but yeah. the thing yeah. we're, we're actually like calling attention to is the structure of a musical. I yeah. do think there is like the, the, the big number of Randy in the video store explaining the, the rules. Like, what, I like it. I like it as a What rules is he explaining, Emily? The rules of horror? Um, yeah. Rules? You know, you, you can't have sex. You can't do drugs or drink. Yeah. You can't say, I'll be right back. <laughs> All the same lovely things. But maybe funny? he like he ends it with being like, but does that really apply here? Because we're not in a movie. I think, <laughs> oh, I think you're I think, still within the horror genre <laughs> to a point. No, just to like... To like be like, oh, I might like subvert extra this trope, winky, you know? Like, hey, hey. Oh, hey. well, theater audiences especially love that shit. Mm, that's they true. eat that up. That is. They like, yes, we are in a play. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You know what you're doing? Uh, that's what we got to do. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, this is good. Okay. We got this. Okay, that's good. I think okay. we got a hit on our hands. Yeah. I think you're right. I think I think we do. Uh, well, Emily. Yes. Any final thoughts on Scream, the quadrilogy? I had fun. I just want to say that. Yeah, I'm glad. Like, I don't think these movies are the best movies in the world, but I really enjoyed watching them. Yeah, yeah I love the fun. I think that's like <laughs> the best kind of movie. Like, not all movies have to be special and important to be fun. Yeah, in fact, and most I of enjoy them, them don't have to be. Yeah. Special most or fun. of them can't be. Sometimes they're more fun if they're really bad. That's true. <laughs>
Nice. Emily, thank okay, you again bye. for coming on. Yeah. It was great having Thanks you. Come having back. Me. I'm going to say anytime. anytime. Oh, anytime. Anytime. Ooh, better be careful. <laughs> going to eat those words. Special thanks to Emily Merrick. <laughs> and special thanks to Danny About of the Weeping Willards for use of their song Outside in the Rain from their self titled album available on Bandcamp. And special thanks to Carly Sussman who designed our logo. You can, des- you can find her work at carly rose.com. If you like this show, keep on listening, buddy. Just listen. Keep on listening. If you listening. want to hit that subscribe button. If you want to subscribe, go ahead. If you want to tell a friend, feel free. Just enjoy it, man. You know, it's been it's like podcast. three and a half enjoy years it. now. We're not, we're not too bothered if you don't. No, but have fun with it. Have fun with it. Hey, but if you are listening, here's what you should do. Listen to the Misery Loves Company podcast. You should definitely listen to the Misery Loves Created Company Created by podcast. our friend... Multi, multi-time guest, three-time guest, three-time guest, three-time He's the top guest. of the list right now. Hey, there, good job, man. Sarah, Morgan Stewart, executive producer. <laughs> the the Misery Loves Company podcast, a fun, funny science fiction romp starring three stupid assholes. Uh, That's bo- the Misery Loves Company. Yes, don't get this wrong. The I, listen, I'm on this show. Uh, there's some uh, still forthcoming news about my involvement that might be of interest to you maybe we'll see we'll see i don't know we'll see emily yeah we'll see we'll see we'll i'm help. also gonna be on the show no yeah we'll let you know yeah you can be on the show yeah morgan said it that's on that's on that's canon <laughs> it's on the record <laughs> uh, and all, as always we're gonna direct our energy to our guest as we say this to you emily and to everyone out there listening in radio land go, go to, to therapy, therapy. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me Only I can mention me Only I can mention me I I have to tell you, I did not realize how good the third one was until my last viewing with you guys. And I realized this is, that's how you're supposed to watch it. We didn't even talk about Courtney Cox's outfits. We did not (laughs) even talk about Courtney Cox's outfits. Oh my God. How did we get... In all the movies, but in the third movie especially. Like... She has, I don't know what was going peak, on. Peak Lime 2000. green power miniskirt suit. That's like her first outfit. Yes. That's what she enters the film wearing that. She enters that. the film oh wearing God. a lime green skirt suit. The bangs. The wig, the wig they've the got wig. Courtney Cox in this they've movie. Got in, in, the thir- in, the third, in the third movie, rude. the fashion is peak 2000. Oh my God. It is peak 2000. They had this woman walk on screen <laughs> Wearing red leather pants, mm-hmm. a white turtleneck sweater, and then the same color white hoodie zipped up halfway with full on turf bangs <laughs> like and stringy bad black turf hair. Bangs. The thing is, you can, the, actually, the thing is, you can see when she's wearing a wig and her hair looks better <laughs> as, the, as a bad wig. That's true. And also in the three, when you've got both Courtney Cox and Parker Posey Ugh. in very, basically matching outfits. It's so good. You know, um, Nev Campbell, Sydney Prescott, uh, insisted she only be on on uh, on set for three weeks of the shooting of Scream Three. Really? Yeah, 
she, that, that, she that was part that? of her uh, contact stipulation, which I think is possibly explains a lot of the choices huh. in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was she on Party of Five at that point? I don't remember when Party of Five began or ended. Me either. I mean, of the, of the three <laughs> Does characters... anyone... Of the three characters we venture through this series with, like, she's the one I care about the least. <laughs> yes, she's not interesting no. at all. She's her most interesting in three, also. Yeah, she's her yeah. most achieved. She's Which... peak queer in three. <laughs> oh, man, she lives out in the woods with her dog. <laughs> like, she's got, oh, she's got huge little affair vibes in that. <laughs> those big Party baggy of five oh. was 94 to 2000. Oh, my God. She's on Party Five the whole time. The whole time. Okay. Okay. So that was okay. Okay. So that's sort of basic knowledge I probably should have brought to this uh, recording earlier. But I guess that means the cast is already like pretty big when they were in the movies. Yeah. Nev Campbell already a star of Party Five. Mm-hmm. Courtney Cox already on Friends. David Arquette. I don't really know what his career trajectory is. No idea. In two thousand two. Uh, two thousand three. He was in uh, Eight Legged Freaks, which I like a lot. Sure. Underrated movie. Was Giant Matthew spiders. Willard Shaggy yet? He no. was by that was 03, I think or O two. Oh, you're right. I feel 02. like Matthew Willard was like doing well doing. in it was, the 90s. It was O two because yeah. yeah, he was that's when he was the SLC punk. In yeah. O two, the Outcast had that song from the first Scooby Doo soundtrack, "Land of a Million Drums." Great song. <laughs> Great song. What was Keith Ulrich doing? He was. I guess he was in this movie, right? I guess so. 